Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Our topic today is a special kind of small business set aside called a hub zone small business concern. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Are you frustrated with your progress in the government market? Skyway's team of former contracting officers helps their customers of all sizes move faster, win more contracts, and manage the contracts they have more effectively. Go to askskyway.com and schedule a time to learn more. Okay, let's get started with our conversation about hub zones. Why are we talking about hub zones today? I was at my son's baseball league the other day, and one of the te- one of the teams was focused on the first to third defense, which is an advanced concept. And one of the rec coaches who's teaching the kids who are brand new to baseball walks by and says, oh, that's so cool. You guys are at that level. We're not quite teaching them that kind of stuff yet. He said, there's so many layers to the onion of baseball. And it kind of hit me that government contracting is kind of the same way. (laughs) And I thought, you know what? This is one of those times we're going to, for this episode, let's dig into something that's really niche. And one of our customers asked for an episode about hub zones. (laughs) And since our customers use a combination of the podcast plus our content plus our consulting, I figured this is a great way to get that content out. Hub zones is way deep in the onion. Hub zone stands for historically underutilized business zones, and it's a kind of small business set aside. And like I said, it's it's a micro niche. It's way, way down in the onion. But that micro niche equated to $7.5 billion in contracts just in fiscal year 2017. So it's a big micro niche. <laughs> Today, we'll cover the basics and just the basics of what is a hub zone. Before we do that, let's stop and say thanks. Or say thanks to Samantha Krutzinger. Uh, she's a contracts manager at uh, Reliant. I think how it's pronounced in Knoxville, Tennessee. And they're, I think it's a new pit on the map for us in Knoxville. So thanks, Samantha, for liking and sharing our content on LinkedIn and for being an active member of the Government Contracting Podcast Network, also on LinkedIn. Thanks, Samantha. Today we're talking about hub zones, so let's start in FAR Part 2 where they have definitions of things, including hub zone. It says hub zone means a historically underutilized business zone that is an area located within one or more qualified census tracts, qualified non-metropolitan counties, or lands within the external boundaries of an Indian reservation, qualified base closure area, or a redesignated area as defined in some regulation that I will probably never read, CFR or something. <laughs> so now we know what a hub zone is. A hub zone contract means a contract awarded to a small business administration certified hub zone small business concern through any of the following procurement methods, either a sole source award to a hub zone small business concern, a set aside award based on competition restricted to hub zone small business concerns, or award to HubZone small business concerns through full and open competition after a price evaluation preference in favor of HubZone small business concerns. So that's a lot, and we'll go through each of those here in a minute. In a HubZone small business concern, right, that means a small business that was certified by the Small Business Administration and appears on this. There's a list, right? Of course, there's a list. There's a list of qualified HubZone small businesses. So you can't just, poof, I'm a HubZone company. There's a process to that. Right. So unlike a small business where if you meet the requirements to to be considered a small business, you're a small business, the Small Business Administration actually has to certify you as a hub zone, which to me means that this must be something where a lot of people would try to cheat 
and say they're a hub zone when they're really not. Well, and when you dig into how effective and how beneficial the hub zone certification can be, you'll see why they might be cheating. <laughs> All right, let's dig in a little deeper. This is our second FAR reference, but I'm not sure that reading the definition counts. This is yeah. FAR 19.13 Hub Zones. So the Hub Zone program isn't that old. It started in 1997 uh, under the yeah the uncreatively named Hub Zone Act of 1997. 19.1301B says the Hub Zone program is to provide federal contracting assistance for qualified small business concerns located in historically underutilized business zones in an effort to increase employment opportunities, investment, and economic development in those areas. You'll notice that I said qualified small business concerns, and qualified isn't the company's determination whether they're qualified or not. This is the Small Business Administration's certification that you are indeed a HUBZone small business. And you have to be a HUBZone small business both at the time of the initial offer and at the time of contract award according to 191303D. And that's different than most other small business set-asides. I think the reason for that is that, again, they're concerned that people are trying to game the system. So they're avoiding the bait and switch here where you've bid as a hub zone small business concern, and then when they award it to you, they're not actually getting any of the benefits that they expect to get out of a hub zone small business concern, which is the increased employment opportunities and investment and economic development. Hub zones are all over the country, and they change with the census, physically where they are. But if you visit the SBA, the Small Business Administration site, and check out, there's a map. And all of the blue all over the country, those are hub zones. In fact, if you just Google SBA hub zone map, don't click on the Google ad. Somebody bought that phrase, SBA uh, hub zone map, and they're trying to sell you something. So click on the one that's, a, that's an SBA.gov site. And you'll be able to see down to the street level whether or not your house, your business, wherever, is in hub zone. I was really surprised when I looked at the map. I live in the suburbs of Washington, D.C. I live in Loudoun County, consistently one of the, the top income per capita counties in, in the country. This is a suburb of a big city, and Loudoun County has a hub zone. The, the town of Leesburg, part of it, is a hub zone. Not kidding. It's a, it's a really small area, but right in the middle of... The, the top income counties in the country, there's a hub zone. I, I don't know how many hub zone certified small businesses are in that hub zone. And, and I, I live in St. Petersburg, Florida, in downtown St. Petersburg, which if you look at it right now, there's about seven different cranes building high rises down there. I mean, we're, we now have a 45 story building, which is taller than anything in Tampa, as it turns out. And a large swath of downtown is a hub zone. <laughs> now, I think it's based on the 2010 census, which we were still coming out of a recession back then. So that could be what causes this. But yeah, it's, it is fickle. So if hub zones only change, if, if the boundaries of the zones only change each time the census comes, the historically underutilized status could have changed in the years since the census, just like you're saying. So it's, it's not really the – it's not currently underutilized zones. It could be super utilized now. It just wasn't eight years ago. So, but then it would be cub zones, and that would be weird. <laughs> well, and, and it, <laughs> if you think about it, it, it's an argument for the system working because they aren't supposed to be underutilized forever. If you're in a hub zone, it should be a growing area. Uh, and then like, you're, you're confusing correlation and causation there. I'm not <laughs> sure like, that I'm not sure that downtown St. Petersburg 
has had an economic boom because so many hub zones have have blown it up. But maybe, maybe they have. Maybe they have. I guarantee you that's not the case, but it makes for a great story. <laughs> it's, it's great marketing, isn't it? You know, I've been traveling a lot. I've been in Austin, Texas for a lot of the time in the last couple of months. Austin has amazing growth and, and construction, like you're saying, construction cranes everywhere. If you look on the map, half of it is hub zone. And the hotel I've been staying on, the, the road that you drive on to get to the hotel, the hotel is not in a hub zone. But one side of the street I drive on to get to the hotel is a hub zone, and the other side is not. And the hub zone ends a half mile from where the hotel I've been staying is, right at the, the, the biggest and most expensive development where all of the businesses are relocating and where all the real estate's blowing up. The hub zone is right there. So if you have a business on one side of that street, you're not in the hub zone. If you have a business on the other side, you are. And we saw this in action. There was a, one of our customers. We were helping them get really moving more effectively in the government market. And one of the things we do is assess where they are as a small business. And one of the things we looked at it was this hub zone. And sure enough, they were across the street from the hub zone. <laughs> and you don't know what you don't know, right? If you don't know, I guess I should have leased the building out my window right. as opposed to this one. That's a very important thing to to think about if you are a small business and thinking about leasing an office space. If you otherwise are going to qualify for hub zone, make sure that you're on the right side of the street so that you don't miss out. And if you own a building and you rent to government contractors, you might want to mention that you're in a hub zone. Just saying. <laughs> Let's explain what it takes to be a hub zone small business concern. In general terms, a business is eligible so long as, and there's a bolded list off of the Small Business Administration website, First, it has to be a small business. It has to have the the NAICS. We did an episode about what is a small business. It's the the NAICS standard of how big your business is. It, it needs to be owned and controlled at least fifty one percent by a U.S. citizen, a community development corporation, which is a whole different podcast, or an Indian tribe, that kind of thing. Its principal office must be located in the historically underutilized business zone. So principal, and it says principal office, and there's probably a definition behind that that will <laughs> right. That sounds ripe for abuse right there. Yeah. And then here, here's the touchy one. At least 35% of its employees reside in a hub zone. That could be a real barrier. So if you're talking about the tiny hub zone that's in Loudoun County, Virginia, it might be easy to get an office space there. But have 35, a third, more than a third of your employees reside there. If you're a sole proprietor, well, you're in. But if you hire one person and that one person lives outside of the hub zone, uh-oh, you're out. So as you get bigger, in a lot of places, the, the hub zones are very large. Maybe it's easy to find 35% of your employees that live within that zone. Imagine that for a, an HR problem in hiring where you have to ask people where they live and plot them on a map because <laughs> we cannot hire you. If we hire you, you put us at 34% and we lose out. <laughs> There are a lot of standards for qualification. These are the big ones. These are the, you know, these are the high points. Right. So don't think if you listen to this podcast and qualify by those four things that you're for sure a hub zone. It, it's a little deeper than that. You're probably 90%, but if you can meet that 35% of your employees in a hub zone, that's probably the, so far that's been the hardest one. Anyone that I've talked to, that's been the hardest one to meet. Yeah. Let's lock this into the time zones. We're talking acquisition time zones here. The market research zone is is where I would think usually you're thinking about hub zones. From the government side, if, if you're doing market research and you can find a hub zone company that can do the work you're looking for, this makes it really easy to acquire. We'll talk about that in a second. If you are a hub zone small business concern, 
you can shop your services to the government and emphasize that you are HUBZone certified. It also comes into play in the RFP zone and the source selection zone, but market research zone is the big part. Yeah, the application of HUBZone processes in the other time zones, there's a rabbit holes. We'll, we'll talk about those at some other podcasts. We've kind of glossed over why this hub zone thing can be so important, but it comes down to small business goals overall. The federal government has a goal of awarding 3% of all dollars for federal prime contracts to hub zone certified small business concerns. That's a big deal. Agencies are required to meet their goals, and 3% of all dollars to hub zone certified small businesses. That's a lot of dollars. Like you said, it was, what, $7.5 billion last year? Yep. And they probably didn't even meet their goals. Yeah, probably not. They try to make it easy for agencies to achieve that 3% goal for, for HUBZone certified companies. If you're a government contracting officer, you can actually issue a sole source award to a HUBZone certified company. You can write a sole source justification that says – I found a HubZone company that is qualified to do this business. No others are qualified. I'm going to award to this without competition. Here you go, HubZone. Have a contract. Yeah, just, just like an 8A, which we did a podcast on that. If you're that contracting officer, you could also do a competition. If there's more than one HubZone company that could do the work, you can do a competition, but set it aside for only HubZone certified companies, which really narrows the pool. And if it's a full and open competition where a, a hub zone submits a, pr a proposal, there's a 10% price evaluation preference, which how that works is a little bit complicated and is involved in, it involves a clause. So we'll, we'll cover that on a different <laughs> But podcast. you could be 10% more expensive and still get the award just because you're a hub zone. There you go. A hub zone could technically be any kind of business and deliver anything to the government, but I'm sure there are some types of companies that are more prevalent in the hub zone world. Out of the top 10 industries by total small business dollars as hub zones, eight of them are service contract industries. So if you're a service contractor, it's worth at least sniffing around whether or not you're in a hub zone. That's exactly why the government should care. That 3% quota for hub zone small business concerns is, is hard to fill. But if you're buying a service, if you're a government contracting officer and you are buying a service, hub zones are a good place to look. It's also discretionary. The contracting officer can decide to set aside an opportunity for hub zone small businesses, just like they set aside for, for other types of small right. businesses. So don't just do that. Don't just decide you're going to set it aside. You have to do market research first to make sure they're all our hub zone certified small businesses that can do the work. Otherwise, you set it aside and nobody can bid. And that's why there's a list. There's a list of qualified hub zones on the Small Business Administration website. You don't even have to set it aside. The contracting officer can award sole source contracts worth up to $4 million to a HUBZone certified small business. And don't forget, this is unique because even if it's full and open competition, there's a 10% price adjustment. The flip side of this is why industry cares. This is the 80-20 rule. It's 80% process, 20% relationship, right? So you have this process, the HUBZone certification process. If you are a, a HUBZone certified company, you are mastering the process that a relationship cannot override. If it's a hub zone set aside and the companies who you're competing against are not hub zones, they're out. You don't even need that much relationship with the government customers at that point because the process makes it really easy for them to award to you. It's a huge competitive advantage. So if you are a small business 
and you don't know whether you're in a hub zone, you should check that out. It might make it easier for you to win awards with the government. You may be able to get sole source awards. And another value of the hub zone program is being able to get subcontracts. Again, that's 80% process. If you're a hub zone and you prime contractors need to get that 3% as well. They need to find HubZone subcontractors. And if you have that HubZone certification, it makes you more valuable as a subcontractor. And again, that's a huge competitive advantage for your company. Yeah, you can't forget that the government flows down these small business goals. In order for them to make their goals, the large prime contractors are given subcontracting goals. So large prime contractors are looking to meet that that hard 3% threshold for HubZone small business awards might be easier to get those awards to a large prime contractor than it is to the government even. Yeah. I was consulting with a company that is in Tampa, downtown Tampa, in a hub zone. And he found that the relationships he had built with his prime contractors were good. But they suddenly became great once he got his hub zone certification. Because now all these large primes who have to subcontract to hub zones, among other small businesses, suddenly realize he's the only hub zone that they knew of. <laughs> and, and because he already had a relationship with him, they, they knew he could perform well. Bags was, of money are just falling out of the sky. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. He didn't word it that way, but basically his business tripled over a year. So yeah. that's kind of the same thing. He must have been on the right side of the street. Imagine if his office was on the other side of the street and he's just standing there waving at the hub zone guy across the street. Hi, oh. look at all oh, your bags of money. There's no money on this side of the street. <laughs> now, and, and this again, this is the process. Is if you understand how to how to manage the process, you're more valuable. This is a huge competitive advantage. And the map to this to see if you're in one is on the SBA website. If you want to know if you're in a hub zone, go to map.sba.gov/hubzone/maps. It's that simple. Now, knowing that you're eligible to be in a hub zone, as we've talked through this, that's step one. Getting certified as a hub zone, it's a different process, just like getting an 8A certification. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. But the, that small percentage of companies who do it and do it well, that becomes a competitive advantage. I don't want to make it sound like this is an easy thing. It, it's, it's not easy to get the actual certification. If you are certified, don't forget that you can reach out to government agencies, to those contracting officers, and point them to FAR 6.302-5B5. Because that's where it says they can issue a sole source contract to you. Okay, there's a lot more to discuss with hub zones, but we're sticking to the basics. So let's stop here before we get any deeper. Government folks, this is a great way to get targeted support from companies in a surprisingly large number of areas based on looking at the SBA map. And on the industry side, you may be sitting on a huge opportunity. You visit the hub zone map and check, or for that matter, building relationships with companies, if you're a large business, who are in those hub zones. Just look on the map and look for companies that are on that list. You may be sitting on a huge opportunity, but you may be sitting on the wrong side of the street looking at the huge opportunity on the other side of the street. You're so cynical. <laughs> All right. I'll see you later, Kevin. See you, Paul. Okay, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us. You can also join us in the Government Contracting Podcast Network on LinkedIn. We'll see you there.